Hello, and welcome to the Bless the City Church podcast. We are starting today a 21-day fast. So some of you, you heard the word fast, and you're like, oh no, that sounds like a horrible idea. Um, What is a fast? But a fast is willfully abstaining from food. And when you do that, you're willfully saying, I'm denying my cravings and my desires so that I can also then invest in what God wants to do. And I have found that when I fast, first of all, everything in my body, physically everything, gets loud, and then it starts to get quiet. And then when it gets quiet, I start hearing God's voice better. I start understanding what he's saying. My hunger for God's word increases, and my hunger for food decreases. Fasting is incredible. Um, we talked about fasting last week, and you could, do, you could ask God what you should fast, but I always recommend to everybody, fast media is always a really good thing to do. If you're a news junkie, turn off the news for the next 21 days. If you're an Instagram junkie, turn off Instagram for the next 21 days. If you're into Snapchat, whatever, turn it off and then go, God, I want to hear from you. Then have your Bible, open up your Bible and every day seek God and say, God, what do you have for me in the next 21 days? And here's, here's how we're articulating fasting in the next, three, next 21 days. We are fasting, God, for one of three areas. One, you're fasting for breakthrough in a specific area. God, I need, I need to see some change here. Help. Two, you're fasting for direction. God, I just don't know what to do. I need to hear from you. And we all need to hear from God for 2023. Or three, you're fasting and you're saying, God, I really want to know you. I want this relationship with you to be more than what it is. And so I can guarantee you that when you come with simple childlike faith and you fast, um, God will move. This, this is a booklet with 21 devotionals. Most of the devotionals in here are written by people in our church. And it's based off the Lord's Prayer. Anyone know the Lord's Prayer? How's it go? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. That one's key. Lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. So each one of those things in that, in that prayer, as you pray it, you'll recognize there's a whole world of things in there. And that everything that you deal with in life is in that prayer everything. So as you read this, you're going to see some pretty cool things from different people. There's a box of them at the back. Gary will be giving one to you when you hand on out. Um, I really want to encourage you, 21 days. And then on the end of the 21-day fast, we're going to meet back here on that Sunday, and we're going to have a vision Sunday where um, God's already talking to me, but we're going to talk about what does God have for us in this year in reaching our community? What does God have for us as a church body? Um, I'm pretty excited. There's some cool things that I think are on the way. So That's that. If you got a Bible this morning, go to Matthew chapter 14, verses 22. Matthew 14, 22. Title of my sermon today is this. Every storm, every storm is meant for your good and meant for God's glory. Every storm that you're walking through is meant for your good and meant for God's glory. I'm going to say it one more time. Every storm, every difficulty, all that you've walked through is meant for your good and God's glory. He really wants to use everything in your life to draw you to him and transform your life. So God, I just pray today that you would speak to our hearts. God, we don't need to hear from Jeremy today. We need to hear from you. 
We just say, Lord, let every other voice be silent except yours. We say, Spirit of God, speak to us. Your voice is the one we need. We need to hear from you. So God, I pray for anybody in this room needing breakthrough, anybody in this room needing to hear from you, anybody in this room questioning whether they go on the fast, any of all of that, God, speak to them. Holy Spirit, show up. Do what you do best, and that's talk to us and transform us and do all that you do. We love you, God. Um, Have your way today. Amen. Uh, Verse 22. In verse 14. We got the slides on the screen. There we go. It says this, immediately, this is speaking of Jesus, he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was alone. But the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. So here's what's going on. Jesus and his disciples are in a lonely, isolated place. There's about 5,000 people there. Jesus multiplies the food. And so now there's, well, 5,000 men. There's probably a bunch of women and children. So probably closer to like 15,000 people. Um, Some say up to 25,000. They multiply the, he multiplies the food. And then everybody's gathered around and they, Jesus immediately sends his disciples away and sends them directly into a storm. You ever been there? God's like, I'm trying to do what God wants me to do. And here comes a storm. I thought God was for me, but apparently he's back there and I'm over here straining on oars by myself. <clears throat> and I promise you, I don't, I don't smoke. <clears throat> um, I'm just making a joke. But... Thanks for laughing. Thanks for that courtesy laugh. Yeah. They were, um, the disciples were doing what God told them to do. Um, and they could have been asking in their heart and their head, why is Jesus being so abrupt? He's, he's like, get out of here. Get in the boat. Go. They go. Jesus doesn't explain himself. He sends them away. And they're a long way from help. They're beaten by the waves, battling the storm. And if you read the text, it says that they were basically in that boat for nine hours. Think about it. You're in a rowboat that fits about 15 people. There's 12 of you. And it's going for nine hours. You are straining. That is beautiful. Straining against the oars, trying to go. And it says that they were making very little progress. They were too far from land to go in. And they were unable to go forward or backwards. They're just stuck in the middle of the lake exactly where God sent them. Huh. Thanks, God. And they're stuck. And yet God has a purpose in the stuckness. God has a purpose in where you are. And I'll never forget when I used to work um, back in the day at the hospital. I was frustrated because I had all these dreams over my life and things that I wanted to do. And here I am working as a supply chain analyst at a hospital learning all about different catheter sizes. And I'm like, this is dumb. And I remember complaining to my dad and being like, God, wh- dad, where's God? Like, does he care? Does he care about where I'm at? Does he, does he know where I am? Does, what's up? And I'm like angrily telling my dad this and my dad just with all the wisdom in the world just smiles at me. And he's like, I don't know, but God is faithful. And that's such an irritating thing when you're in the middle of the storm because you're like, that's nice and all, but I'm stuck and I'm frustrated and I don't know what to do. 
where is God? Anybody? Anybody ever been there? And so they're in this frustrated thing, and it actually says that they were straining against the oar. So they are pulling with everything they got. And I can imagine, I think all of us have been in this space. I ain't God, I am giving it all I got here. I am making zero progress and you're on land. What? James 1, 2 says this. This is the verse everybody quotes when they're not in a storm, but then the person in the storm, they're the one that needs to quote this. Consider it all joy when you go through trials of many kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance and perseverance must finish its perfect work. Why? So that you would be complete, lacking nothing. So there's this thing that in the middle of the storm and that they're pulling on these oars as hard as they can and they're getting nowhere. God's like, I have you exactly where I need you. And it's not that I've abandoned you. I know exactly where you are. This will work out for your good. Here's Jesus' perspective. Jesus has just finished multiplying a bunch of food for about 15,000 people. And all throughout the Gospels, you see a theme of people trying to make Jesus king. So all these people are coming and they, man, this guy, he multiplied food for us. He is here to save us from the Romans. We're gonna, we're gonna get a king. And so Jesus, also knowing that the disciples could get caught up in this whole thing, immediately says, get out of here. I am not on my way to a throne. I'm on my way to a cross. We're not going to get the two confused. And that makes no sense when you think about setting up a kingdom. Instead of taking over, Jesus is going to be crucified, and that's how he's going to conquer. What? But nothing was going to dissuade him from going to the cross. And so he says, disciples, get out of here. Go into the boat. We're, you're leaving. He dismisses the crowd. And then it says that he went up on a mountain to pray. Now, if you see the Sea of Galilee, um, there's a couple different mountains or hills. There's one called the Mount of Beatitudes, where Jesus probably gave one of their sermons. It's probably, it might be likely that he went there. And so Jesus left the plains and he walked up the hill in the middle of the night. Some people say it was probably in the middle of the springtime, which means probably there was, he was walking by the light of the moon. Jesus walks up, goes up a hill, and then he spends the next several hours praying. Now, why, why is he praying? His disciples are in the middle of the water. A storm has probably hit them by now, and Jesus is on a hill praying. And I think, I think this is one of the biggest things that we can miss is that friend, intimacy with God, friendship with God, being close place of prayer with God is much more powerful than your ability or your strength. Jesus was praying for several reasons. He was probably praying for the disciples, but he's praying because they're about to go to another village, Gennesaret. And the first thing that's gonna greet them when they get there is thousands of people saying, heal me, help me, I need something. That's the first thing they're going to get. When they get there, that's what's going to happen. And Jesus is getting ready. He's spending time hearing from the Father. He's getting ready because all those people are going to be saying, I need a miracle. And so Jesus comes and he's praying for that. He's praying. He's seeking God. He's, he's knowing that the place of intimacy with God is the best thing. He finishes praying and he probably then turned and looked out onto the lake and he sees a massive storm right where he had sent 
his disciples. And so as he's walking around the lake, because he sent them on, he was probably just going to walk around and meet them there. He then turns and he starts walking on water. Now, some people have tried to explain this away and say, well, he was just walking through the water. He was, he was actually just in the surf. He was on the, they were in shallow water. No, guys, everything in the text says this. He was walking on top of the water. He was doing what was impossible. Now, this is the same one that we know was born by a virgin. This is the same one that we know the multiplied five of food for 5,000 people. This is the same one that raised the dead, healed the blind, all of that stuff. Our God can walk on water. And I love what it says here in Hebrews 7.25 because they were in the midst of struggling in the storm, straining with everything where that was in them. And there's Jesus on the hill praying and he sees them. He sees you. He sees you right where you are in the midst of your straining, in the midst of your struggling. He sees you and he's not gonna leave you alone. Hebrews 7.25 says this. Consequently, he, Jesus, is able to save to the uttermost. In other words, completely those who draw near to God through him since he always lives to pray for them. Jesus is actually praying for you right now. Now, you're in the midst of the lake, you're in the midst of this place straining and working and trying and going, and there's Jesus going like, man, I love my son, I love my daughter, I'm for them. Father, help them, Father, help them, Father, help them. He still prays and he still comes. What's really interesting though, because then Jesus comes walking out of the water and it says in verse 26, and it's kind of funny and it makes sense because I think you and I would do the exact same thing. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified. Well, yeah. Because the way that they were walking, Jesus was walking up behind them. Here they are straining. And one of the disciples turns around and sees a dude walking on the water towards them in the middle of a storm. And if you think about it, this storm is so fierce. They are so terrified in the storm. And yet, you ever been here in the midst of trouble? Everything seems like bad news. And then something new pops up. Your assumption can be, oh, this is bad news too. Nothing good's going to come out of this. This is going to be bad news. But actually, God was wanting to shift their thinking and show them, no, actually, I'm here. They said this. They said they were terrified, and they said, it's a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately, right away, right on time, Jesus spoke to them and said this, take heart. It's I. Don't be afraid. Man, I feel like I need to say that to somebody today. Take heart. Don't be afraid. He's here. He's with you. He's not going to let you drown. He's for you. When they saw Jesus walking up with them, their experience told them this is not a good thing. Fear gripped them. But immediately God, Jesus spoke to them. What's really interesting is it said, he said, take heart. It is I. That it is I was him like saying this, take heart, I am, which makes no sense in our English, but that's the exact same wording that God said when Moses was at the burning bush and the, Moses, it, it's, the bush is burning and God's talking out of the bush and Moses says, hey, when I go to Egypt and they say, who sent me? Who should I say sent me? And God said, I am. In other words, when Jesus came up and they're freaking out, they're saying, take heart, God's here. 
Take heart. You're not alone. Take heart. I'm with you. It's like, who is stronger than any army or anything, uh, anything people worship? God says, I am. Who is the greatest ever, most ever present person? The I am. Who is greater than anything or anyone? The I am. Who walks across the water without any resistance, over any opposition or any struggle? The I am. That's who God is. It's like God saying in that, I know you're in the middle of the storm, but take part, God's here. I know that it's hard, but I'm saying to you, if I'm for you, who can be against you? And, and here's the thing, I don't know what God's gonna do with the storm you're in, but I know he wins. And I know he cares for you. And I know he'll work in the middle of that storm because he is the I am. I like... Um, Everybody always rails and praises and, and rails on Peter. Because Peter says in verse 28, he says this. Peter says to him, Lord, if that's you, tell me to come out on the water. Would you do that? Would you do that? Or would you be like, I still think that might be a ghost. We're just going to try a little harder and get away from the ghost. But Peter says, if that's you, tell me to come out on the water. And I feel like it's almost like saying this. Jesus, if you're really here, let's see a miracle. Because I know you can walk on water, but I, I, I don't think I can. So, so uh, uh, if that's you, come on. Let's, let's show me it's you. Let's see a miracle. Tell me to come walk on water with you. And what's really, this is a really fun picture. All throughout the Bible... Water, get this, water always speaks of chaos, turmoil, struggle, like anxiety, opposition, all the, all this stuff. And here is Jesus walking on the water. Here are the disciples straining against the oars in the midst of the opposition, in the midst of the babies that don't go to sleep, and in the midst of the bills that won't get paid, in the midst of the craziness and the opposition and the struggle and all of the, all of the turmoil that you're walking through and all this stuff. You are sitting there struggling, and Jesus comes up behind you and he says, take heart, it's I, I'm here. And I wonder if like Peter were like, hey, if it's you, can I walk on the water like you? And I, I think it's really interesting because there's a verse in the Bible that says that God gives peace differently than the world gives peace. And I was processing that because you're not, you don't have a lot of peace when you're in the middle of a storm straining and going and working really hard. These disciples didn't have a lot of peace, but the Bible says that God gives peace not as the world gives, but how, how he gives. God's peace is given differently than the world's peace. What's really interesting is Jesus didn't stop the waves at that point and the wind. And he didn't stop any of it. No, he walked on top of the wind and the waves. The Christian life is a life that God has given peace to his people in the middle of the storm. Before the answer, before anything is better, peace. There's this group of people called the Moravians. And they were known for starting up churches all around the world and all this stuff. And I, I forget the name of the preacher, but there was a preacher who was really struggling with whether God was real or not. And he knew, he knew all the Bible stuff, but he didn't have that experience in God. And he was in the middle of, he was in a boat 
and there was all these Moravians in the bottom of the boat, and there was a massive storm going on, and all of the Moravians were just at peace. Nobody's freaking out. Everyone's just sitting there. And he was impacted by their incredible peace. And the truth is that a life in Christ, when the Spirit of God impacts your heart, there is a peace available to you and I in the middle of the storm that has nothing to do with whether God stills the storm or not. There is a place where everything can be chaos and in the heart, your heart of hearts, you're like, yeah, it's okay. John 14, 27, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, do I give it to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. It's interesting, it says, let not. In other words, it's a choice. So Jesus says, in verse 29, he says, come to Peter. So Peter gets out of the boat, walks on the water, and came to Jesus. I had a buddy, my buddy uh, Kevin O'Brien, if Brent, if you're watching, Kevin, hi. He lives in Anchorage. Um, when he just met Christ Jesus, he read this story, and we were standing at a lake down in Vancouver, Washington. And he was like, if Peter walked on water, I can walk on water. And so we're at the river's edge, and he, like, took off his shoes, you know. And then he, like, steps in the water, and he just goes down. He's like, oh, man, it didn't work. And, and there was a, an interesting thing about that. I was, I was processing that with him, and we were talking, and it's like, it's not that we have faith that just says, if I believe something enough, it's going to happen. What was the key to Peter walking on water? Jesus saying, come. And that is the key to overcoming when it comes to all the situations in your life, the turmoil, the struggle, the stress, the whatever, you're in the midst of it straining, going. It's not in you going, I'm just going to have, I'm going to pull up my chutzpah and I'm just going to go for it and I'm just going to have faith. Faith isn't faith just to believe something. Faith is faith to believe in what he is saying. What is God saying there is power in obeying the voice of God. It's not enough just to want something. It has to be wanting and hearing. hearing what are you saying? I'm going to do exactly what you're saying. If God is speaking to you, that means he's going to supply the power to do what he's called you to do. You guys, I wonder if there's people in this room today, you are trying so hard to do things and it's not working, I question, are you doing something based on your intellect? Are you doing it based on what God has said? When I do it out of my own energy, it's going to take my energy and my ability to do it. When I do it based out of what God is saying, he's going to strengthen me. He is not going to help you build your thing. He's going to help you build his thing through you. But I can tell you his thing in your life is a lot better than your thing without him. Verse, your, de your desire does not determine your destiny. God's word over your life does. Verse 30 says this, and um, this is me. I wonder if this is you. But when Peter saw the wind, he was afraid. And he began to sink, and he cried out, Lord, save me. Anyone ever been there? Oh, God, help. You started in this whole thing of faith. You're doing what God told you to do. You're trying really hard and then you see the wind, you see the waves, you see the stuff, you see the, all the stuff going on in life, and your eyes shift off of Jesus, and they shift onto 
the bills, the struggle, the relationship, the whatever, da 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 and what happens? You start to sink. The peace starts to leave. The struggle starts to come. You find yourself straining again and pulling again and not walking in peace. But Peter does the right thing. He turns and he says, Lord, save me. I'm losing focus again. I need your help once again. If we're ever going to step into what God has for us, if you are ever going to step into what God has for you, it's going to be out of a space of hearing him, following him, and stubbornly not taking your eyes off him every day. If we make him our pursuit, I know that he'll lead us to walk over every turmoil and every struggle. This verse really grabbed me, verse 31. Hit me between the eyes. I love this. Jesus, immediately, right away, he didn't wait for Peter to struggle. No, immediately, he reached out his hand and he took him. Immediately, there is no wait. God is not gonna let you sink. He's not gonna let you fall. No, immediately, to the one that he says, God, save me, he comes right away. But then he says this, and this, this, is a, this, this hits my heart. Hopefully it hits yours too. Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Another way of saying this is this. Jesus said to him, oh, you of little faith, why did you allow yourself to be drawn in two different directions? Why did you fix your eyes on me and then fix your eyes on the wind? Why did you do this whole back and forth thing? And I think there's a real honest question to that. Why? Why is it that it's sometimes easy to shift our eyes off of Jesus and onto other stuff? Why? Because I think we get impressed with the wind and the waves. We get impressed with the stuff that's going around and we're not as impressed with God as we are with the problem. Oh man, Jesus. Don't allow yourself to be impressed by the wind and the waves. Hey Tim, can you put that music on? Verse 32. A little quieter. And when they got into the boat, the wind stopped. The storm stopped. There was calm. You might be in a space, you're straining against the oars, and you're like, we're working really hard. God, where are you? God, we need a miracle. We need something to happen. We need something to change. I'm telling you that when Jesus comes into our boat, when he's in our space, peace. And why is that? Because wherever he is comes order, clarity. Things come into the right alignment when he's around. And those in the boat, what did they do? They worshiped. Why did they worship? Because, wow, he just calmed a storm. And who can calm a storm except for God? Who can change these crazy situations except for God? I, I was uh, talking to this gal this several years ago. She had just gotten out of a, uh, out of a divorce. She's just been divorced by a little bit ago and a whole bunch of craziness. And I was praying over her and I saw this ball that was like a knot, like, a, like this big ball. And, and I, I said, I, I see like, I, I see this knot, this big ball of knot, and I feel like it represents your life and, and all of the decisions and everything you're at. And it's just a big knot, ball and knot. 
and she just starts crying. And I said, I feel like God is saying to you, he wants to help you unpick the knots and he's gonna straighten out and make everything right and straighten out. And I just wanna say to anybody here, like if you feel like your life is in a big ball of knots and things are not right and there's storms all around and it's crazy, God wants to partner with you to pick out the knots and straighten it out and heal your heart and make things right. He wants to bring peace to your storm. And those in the boat worshiped him and they said, truly, you are the son of God. <laughs> hey, could we just, uh, everybody just bow your head and put a hand on your heart. Um, anxiety is not God's purpose for you. Straining against the oars and working your heart out is not God's plan for you. He said, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. That doesn't mean it's gonna be simple, but it does mean that in him, you, get, you are guaranteed peace on the inside as you obey his voice. God, we come to you. I pray for any person in this room that just feels alone today. Where are you, God? And I just, I just wanna be... Um, I just want them to hear from you today that you're right here. Take heart. It is I. I am here. God, we thank you that you're not a God that's far away. Thank you, God, that you're a God that reaches out and grabs us when we're sinking, that you're with us and you're for us and you care. God, thank you. We just right now pray the peace of God to guard every heart in this room for whatever's going on. God, I also thank you for those in this room that are called to take a step of faith today. And... Um, whatever that looks like. They, they need to trust you in your word. I pray first that they would hear your voice loudly and clearly. And you're saying to each one of us, come, follow me, deny yourself, pick up my ways, lay down your ways, come, walk on the water with me. That is us. If that's what you feel in your heart, God is saying that. Can you just, as your every eye closed, can you just lift your hand? Like, God, I just feel like you're calling me out. Yeah. And just pray faith over our hearts to trust you. Third thing I want to say is this. The storm will end. God will cause the wind and the waves to cease. This will end. And four, God has a purpose in the middle of the storm. And it's that you would recognize him as God that you would see him for who he is. He is God, he is with you, he calms every storm, and he's for you. So God, we just come to you today and we thank you for your word and we thank you for all that you have for us. And we say, Holy Spirit, um, would you draw us into that space of trusting you? I pray for anyone here today that is hearing your voice, that they would hear you say, come, and that we would come, that we would lay down our ways and we'd step out of the boat of our plans and everything that we're doing. You're calling us to walk on water with you. We want to hear you, God. We want to walk with you, God. And God, I just thank you. We just invite you. We invite you into our life. Would you calm every storm? Would you move in us in every way? Um, we trust you today. We say truly you are the son of God, Jesus. And we love you. And everyone said, amen. Thanks for listening to the Bless the City Church podcast. For more content, you can find us on Facebook or at blessthecitychurch.com.